Paper Team is brought to you by Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community with thousands of classes for creators, entrepreneurs, and curious people everywhere. You can take classes in creative writing, productivity, and filmmaking. You name it, they've got it. So whether you're picking up a new skill for your day job, figuring out your next side project, or pursuing a long-time passion, Skillshare has classes for you. I just found this really cool class called How to Make a Podcast by John Lagomarsarno. So if you've ever thought about starting your own podcast, make sure you check that one out. And you can join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for our listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for free. That's right. Skillshare is offering Paper Team listeners two months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free to sign up. Go to Skillshare.com slash paper. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash paper to start your two free months now. That's Skillshare.com slash paper. Welcome to Paper Team, a podcast about television writing and becoming a TV writer. I'm Alex Friedman, aka TV Calling. And I'm Nick Watson on Twitter, underscore NJ Watson. And today is the return of our very famous Paper Tease feedback session, where we give feedback on teasers of your own TV pilots. And this time we'll be covering five of your teasers. That's right. Paper teases. They are back in pog form. So uh, <laughs> like Alf. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, we're excited to get into those this week and uh, give you some feedback. All right. As a reminder, Paper Tease is a segment that we regularly do where we give feedback on your teasers of any genre, any format, as long as it's TV pilots, eight pages or less. It can be comedy, drama, whatever genre you prefer. And uh, you can send those at paperteam.co slash teaser. And let's dig in with uh, the first one by Michael Hager, and it's called Principal. And in Principal, we meet a 12-year-old Sandra Wen as she connects with her caring middle school principal, whose office she was sent to for singing in the hallways. The principal asks her what she wants to be when she grows up, and we cut to 20 years later, as Sandra is the principal of a different middle school in Anaheim, giving a speech to her students, introducing the school's upcoming talent show. What did you think of Principal? I thought this was fun. I thought it was a good intro into the world, uh, a nice parallel and transition there between her past and her present, which really informed us about the character and the personality and the passion. Structurally, I felt like perhaps there could have been a stronger hook into the series at the end there. There was a really fun joke with a student, you know, about to throw up and that kind of thing. But maybe I wanted something that pulled us into the story a little bit more. So that would be my first kind of, you know, point about the teaser. I definitely echo at least the the positive aspect. I, I feel like this is a really interesting situation and the, the world building is interesting. Now, in terms of paralleling the flashback sequence to the present timeline, I thought a little bit more milk could be juiced out of this cow, so to speak. Yeah, nice mixing it. of metaphors. <laughs> Thank you. That's, that's what I do in this Juice podcast. Juice your milk, people. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> well, essentially, my comment here is that I kind of wanted more of an effective transition between the two timelines, especially when on one end, you finish the sequence with a quote or a joke about Mickey Mouse, and then the next sequence is set in Anaheim. I feel like there's a little bit of a missed opportunity here to set up some some kind of visual gag relating to Disney or Mickey Mouse, uh, considering the setup that you have, and just to lead us again into the idea that we're now in the present and not the past. Because as it stands, I feel like visually there's not much 
identifying factors that lead us to understand, okay, this sequence is in 99, this sequence is in 2019, and uh, these are the same person except 20 years apart. Yeah, that's a good point. And speaking of missed opportunities, that was kind of my thought in terms of the humor as well. There were a couple of good jokes, but I felt like for a teaser, we really wanted to be just pushing it harder and further there. And, you know, like you said, taking advantage of those little opportunities for commentaries on, you know, Anaheim or really punching more in terms of uh, making us laugh and hooking us in uh, instead of just being kind of a base level of kind of amusing. And that's actually to the benefit of the pilot and, and the show uh, because the, the situation is juicy. You have content therein. I'm sure the pilot itself is really funny and interesting, but in the teaser, we need more punches, uh, especially in the first couple of pages to really introduce us to those characters. Do you have any micro notes? Uh, not really notes so much. I just thought that the writing on the page was fairly concise and clean. There were little hints here and there of the writer's voice, although that could, again, that could have been pushed farther. It was mostly just sort of efficient, but I, I couldn't think of any real micro notes I had there. Yeah, I just had one micro note in terms of introducing us to characters, especially in the first scene with Miss Harmon. Miss Harmon is not even introduced in any capacity. She's just present in the dialogue. And uh, even though in the prose it says an adult huffs near the oblivious six word, I feel like this is the opportunity you have to introduce us to Miss Harmon, even if it's a one word description, or at least bring the name of Miss Harmon in the actual prose. And what would make us want to read on here versus not? Yeah, I mean, like we said, I feel like the setup is interesting. And I feel that allows you to bring in more jokes and a more interesting situation out of this comedy. Now, in terms of the transition of the timelines, I feel like that's where you have the opportunity to punch up the humor and, and connecting those dots. No, I agree. I don't think this teaser did anything wrong necessarily, but I really just wanted something to reach out and grab me and make me need to read on. So I would look at, you know, punching up the humor and working on hooking the reader harder into the story and wanting to know what happens next. All right, our next script is called BMF or Black Market Freelancer by David Crossman, who is one of our Patreon supporters. So he gets the coveted Patreon slot in our paper tease. And if you want to submit yours as a Patreon member, you should do that. The summary of BMF is we meet Scott, a ride-sharing driver in his routine of picking up and dropping off passengers. After sending the conclusion to an essay over email, he picks up a new customer, Jim, from the airport. Jim's phone is dead, so he uses Scott's laptop to check his email, but instead informs Scott that someone named Robot Dickwad 60 just emailed him. Uh, they are the student who refuses to pay Scott for the homework that he did for them. Scott and Jim go on a detour to Robot Dickwad 60's house, and after checking that they are at least 18, Scott punches him in the face while Jim gives him a thumbs up. Uh, you're chuckling away there, so what were your thoughts on this one, Alex? Uh, is this a long con just to have you say Rob Robotic What sixty? I think so. Podcast. All right. I mean, it is funny. I feel like that's the headline here. Is I personally did find the teaser funny. Now, much like the previous teaser that we mentioned, I still feel like there's more milk to be had in terms of the execution of the routine of Scott, especially at the top of the teaser, because as it stands, it does take a while for the action to get going because it shows Scott during his monotonous routine picking people up, which is fine, but I feel like there's still a more effective way to start the show by, uh, you know, you can create a vignette of, uh, or sequence out of sort of highlighting the different people he's picking up and uh, sort of uh, leaning into the humor or the monotony of that job. Absolutely. That was my big note as well. I thought that this was a lot of fun, um, introduced, you know, the concept of the show in, in an efficient way. You know, this guy who not just, you know, drives people around, but does people's essays and everything as well. So that's funny. But like Alex said, it just didn't feel like it made enough of 
each of those moments and really pulled all of the humor that you could out of the situations. It kind of breezed through them a little too quickly. Yeah. And, and as for doing that montage or vignettes of the routine, I feel like the piece is already there. I mean, for example, you already have the hook about leave five stars or five stars is always appreciated. So maybe seeing him say that with multiple people back to back to back and sort of juxtaposing or contrasting the different behaviors and reactions that he gets from that phrase. Uh, I, I just feel like there's many ways uh, at the top of the show where you can play that as either some kind of comedy or drama or pathetic moment for Scott where he feels really depressed and wh- however you want to play it, I feel like there's more opportunities there. Yeah, actually thinking about that, it seems like a missed opportunity for a payoff for all of that setup with that phrase. If at the very end he punches the kid in the face and said, five stars is always appreciated and walks oh. away, I think that it might be a fun little tag on it. That's a great end to a teaser. There you go. But yeah, that ending was fun. Do you have any micro notes on the page for this I one? I mean, these are very micro notes. Uh, bear with me on this. But in the title page, Crossman, the, the last name has the second letter capitalized. I did notice that. Yeah. And on page two, in terms of the slug line, it says apartment door late as opposed to later. Since there's a, that missing R from the title. <laughs> I was going to say that's where it ended up. Uh, yes, obviously those are very minor things, but you never know how, you know, that might affect someone's read of your script. If they're like, well, you can't even capitalize your name properly. Maybe they won't read your script. So just make sure you get that and uh, you'll be great because it's funny. It's yes, exactly. But what makes us want to read on versus not? Yeah, so for, in a weird way for me, it kind of ends with too much of a win for the character. And I'm missing that sense of like a, what the meaningful conflict and obstacles will be in the show. And what's going to make this guy's life hard and entertaining to watch. He can't just go around being a badass who does cool stuff all the time. Like when what's his jeopardy? What are the emotional narrative stakes? Uh, so knowing that would make me want to read on more into this guy's story. That's really interesting you said that. I, I definitely picked up on that problem in the sense of what is the show about? Because especially when you introduce someone like Jim as the passenger, it really suggests that it's going to be almost like a two-hander or some kind of dynamic between them, which is fine. Like That sounds really cool and interesting. But then narratively, in terms of the story driving forward, no pun intended, what is the show going to be about? Especially, as you said, Scott almost reaches a conclusion of his micro-character arc in that teaser by punching the the kid in the face by the end of it so then there's no stakes it feels like or there's no obstacle to be had so i definitely hear you on, on that note um now in terms of what would make me uh want to read on besides establishing the story and so forth uh, like we said the very top of the show literally the first page of that script should hook you in and so i feel like this that this is the moment this is the place where you can bump up the funny and really lean into scott's routine and putting him in a spot where we understand where this character is starting the journey and just a reminder if you want to submit your paper tees into that coveted patreon slot you can do that by going to paperteam.co patreon and signing up and sending it our way and our next paper tees comes from varta torsian and her pilot the psychics and in the psychics over voiceover and flashback sequences, we meet the Thompson family, including mom Karma, magician dad Bill, and kids Cooper, Alice, and Vincent, as we get a sense of their unique dysfunctions. At the end of the teaser, we learn that the voiceover we've been hearing this whole time is from their now-dead grandmother, Nenya, who died in mysterious circumstances. What did you think of the psychics? 
So I thought this was interesting. There were obviously a lot of kind of quirky characters and a very dysfunctional family setting that I think has a lot of potential for story and for character interactions. That said, it kind of felt a little bit disorganized or lacking in focus for me, that the flow of it all kind of jumped around and I couldn't quite land or find my feet in terms of getting into the story and the characters. That's really interesting. I mean, personally, I actually really like the ambition, for lack of a better word, of the teaser and quirky of it, it kind of reminded me, at least uh, on the macro scale, it kind of reminded me a lot of other gothic soaps like Dark Shadow or The Addams Family and, and even something like Pushing Daisies, with, which has a very fairy tale aspect to it. So I really appreciated uh, those elements. Uh, but, uh, and I feel like this is the problem that you're hitting on, uh, at least personally. I think my struggle was that it was a lot to digest uh, because you have different flashbacks for different characters and that's a lot of exposition to be had in the first few pages of your pilot because it's not establishing story necessarily it's, it's just establishing characters and specifically backstory of character so my note uh, on that point would be i feel like it would be a lot more digestible if you spread out the flashbacks as part of the episode, especially if you find yourself at key moments that reveal characters throughout the pilot, you can then freeze frame on that moment and then flash back to those quirky moments beforehand. And that way, I feel like it would feel a lot less both uh, expositionary, but also remain fresh with every flashback. Uh, because right now, it kind of gets repetitive since there are a lot of family members to go through. Yeah, I think one of the most important things with a teaser is not only making something interesting and hooking the reader in, but making it clear to them who people are, what the situation is, what the story is. And to me, I guess that was the issue is that it didn't feel as clear as it could have been. And so I think one of the issues with that was the fact that we met the characters very briefly, and many of them were just introduced with their name and no character description. But then we came back to the characters again later, and we got more information and context about them and flashbacks and whatever. So it kind of felt like we were doubling back and repeating like you said, being repetitive with those beats. Whereas, you know, if you had taken the time to give us a freeze frame and a flashback and whatever at the time we met them, I think it would have felt less jumping back and forth. Yeah. And again, I feel like you can still have your cake and eat it too, in the sense of you can still have the framework of gliding through the house and freeze framing on these people and sort of briefly meeting these characters, but maybe you can collapse those flashbacks. So we actually have them in a digestible format and we can clearly understand, okay, this is going to be this person's strong for the show and it's going to be this kid's problem throughout the show i really wanted more of i guess a hook not just for the family members but just for the show because obviously it's an interesting dynamic but i kind of wanted more in that angle what were your thoughts on the voiceover alex it's funny you should say that because one of my biggest pet peeves uh, on this podcast has been the use of voiceover i feel like i've mentioned it uh, multiple times that to me voiceover does feel uh, useless in most pilots i read but I will say that to me, it kind of felt effective here specifically for a couple of reasons. One, totally I felt and matched with the fairy tale aspect. Uh, I feel like the, the voiceover, at least most of it, felt interesting and, and unique and fresh and, uh, and fitting the tone. The other thing is I don't feel like it was as, obviously it is expositionary to some extent, but I feel like it enhances the character as opposed to detracting from what's on screen. Yeah. No, I thought it was it was good, but I, it felt a little overused to me. I think there were some moments where you could pull it away and not quite do as much because it wasn't, you know, being as effective if, if we were just 
getting voiceover after voiceover after voiceover and making sure every single thing is just necessary and it contrasts or, or plays interplays with what we're seeing on the screen and not just telling us what could have already been obvious or could have been delivered through action or description instead. Absolutely. And to that point, this is a key example of less is more in the sense of the less voiceover you have, but the more effective each part of that voiceover is, the more you're going to get out of, especially the reveal at the end that this is the grandmother telling the story. And that way you're not using her just as a vehicle to propel your characters, but actually as a way of telling a cathartic story throughout her. Yeah, I did like that kind of payoff to this, the voiceover devices being the now dead grandmother. It, it did raise a few questions for me, like, is, you know, was she dead the whole time? Was she giving me a voice, you know, like, um, <laughs> she's Bruce Willis. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just mean like, you know, is she still going to be an active part of the show? Is is, is this device going to carry on throughout it in terms of like a Jane the Virgin type, right. be being another character in the show type thing? But. And so to me, that is why you hit on exactly why I feel like the voiceover works in this instance is because it does feel ingrained in the narrative and the story. It doesn't just feel like a cheap tool to expose character. Now, in terms of the directing on the page, I, I did want to mention because this is probably the closest example we've had so far of a, a, a script or at least a teaser that has a lot of direction in it. Now, with that said, I actually did like, first of all, the freeze frame approach. I feel like this is a, a kind of fresh, quirky way of uh, showing character and, and story. Now, in terms of the directing and, and over-directing of it, there were a couple of moments where, I mean, I enjoyed visually being driven through the house. I feel like that's very effective. But you do mention something about uh, omniscient perspective. That's kind of the default of the way things are shot. Uh, if, if you're into someone's point of view, that's when you signal to the reader, okay, we're in Simon's point of view. But if it's just a default prose and you're gliding through the house, presumably it would be an omniscient perspective. So I was a little bit confused confused as to why that was in the script. Yeah, I kind of liked the way things were directed on the page. It's one of those things where it's being done for a good reason and to good effect. You know, you're doing things like flipping through the pages of a book, or in particular, the one that stands out to me is like, well, who am I? You know, the voiceover, and it zooms in on the gerbil, and then it's like, <laughs> no, I'm not the gerbil, and it zooms out rapidly. Um, I thought that was really funny, and, you know, it, it wasn't just some generic, like, angle on the bottom of the doorstep as feet walk in like you know it really added something to uh, i completely agree i feel like that it kind of reminded me of doom patrol in another way where there was an episode uh, that's about a mouse and so they, they did a lot of similar tricks in, in that episode that I, I really appreciated but do you have any micro notes the main micro notes for me were regarding the character description in terms of it really bothers me it's a pet peeve of mine when all we get is just name not even age it's just like name character you know and maybe a little bit of context around it I think that you really need to and most people really need to take the time to give a little bit more character description otherwise i'm going to get lost when i'm having five members of a family thrown at me and I, i'm not i don't know what each of them are yet i'll definitely co-sign that and uh another sort of super micro note is just a title page no wga registration number needed so that's uh, something to watch out for i know we shouted it out in our common mistakes in your tv scripts episodes so uh, that's not something that you need to add in your title page what did you think of the bolding of the vo i actually really liked the fact that they bolded the voiceover to really distinguish it and mark it away from the rest of the script. I feel like whether it's a bold or italics, I do like the approach of distinguishing it from the rest, especially because it facilitates the read. I feel like that's the biggest takeaway here in terms of the using the, the bold or not. It's just, it eases me and it eases the reader into understanding what's going on, at least on some basic level. I don't even have to think about it. I just understand instinctively that it's the voiceover. 
uh, of the grandma. So I feel like that was really effective. Yeah, I think this teaser script is a good example of breaking the rules, quote unquote, in the right way and using them effectively. Absolutely. And uh, on that note, what would make us want to read on versus not? So the main thing for me, aside from you know, perhaps being guided through this in a little more of an efficient way and and getting a better sense of the characters and not being as confused is essentially that I don't really know what the show is about yet. We've met the characters, we have the situation, we know that, you know, somebody died, but I I don't know what the actual story is going to be. And it's called the psychics, but I'm yet to see any psychic or supernatural stuff. I don't know, you know, we kept talking about this gothic sense, but I haven't seen any elements that suggest that to me in there. You know, right now it's just a dysfunctional family and I don't really know what the show is about. Yeah, I definitely agree with everything you're saying. I mean, to me, uh, what really drew me in was sort of the gothic aspect. To me, like that's why I was uh, quoting shows like Dark Shadows and and Adam's Family. I, I do get the tone of the show. At least I think I do get the tone of the show. And I think although those elements visually, tonally, even on a character level, they are present. But like Nick said, what's missing is the story. What is the show about besides just on a basic level? Oh, it's just a dysfunctional family. What is the story going forward? And I feel like if you do remove some of those flashbacks or you collapse those flashbacks and you use that opportunity to really tell the struggles of that family, and it can be over voiceover or through the same sequence, but you can still give us an idea of what the pilot is going to be about on a narrative level. So I feel like if you do that, you will have all the pieces needed to have a really compelling teaser. Absolutely. And what is next on our paper tease session? The next one is FMAC by Ahmed Aki Aslan. And the summary is, in a high school, we see an unnatural emerald glow reflecting off of empty bleachers as we hear ancient chanting and two people struggling. It's then revealed that a redhead with bat-like feet is fighting a hooded figure and winning the fight. We end on a prelap of a phone alarm ringing. What were your thoughts on this, Alex? Well, it's interesting because I feel like this is the polar opposite of the other teaser we just mentioned. Whilst the psychics is about eight pages, I would say, this one is a single page teaser. And half a page. Half a page even. Yeah. So, I mean, my main note here is simple. I like the visuals, but the visuals, although interesting in a vacuum, don't really tell us anything about the show. They don't really explain why we need to care about these characters, what even is happening on the story level. So I feel like that's my biggest takeaway is just visually interesting, but it doesn't really compel me as a viewer. Yeah, this might have been the shortest teaser I've ever read, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but at least in this context, it felt too short. You know, this is a scene or a moment rather than a teaser. You know, I need to see what happens next after the alarm clock goes off. Who is the character having this dream? What situation are they in? What kind of story is arising out of this? You know, we need to contrast this moment, which in and of itself is interesting, with other things for context to get the full picture. Right. And to that point, we need to get a sense of what that story is, or at the very least, why we should care about these two creatures fighting over one another, or at least the context, if it is a dream. That evocative visual is a great way to hook someone in. I feel like that's a really compelling image to have, but there still needs to be more behind it. Like you said, it's a moment, not a teaser. So I think you do have the visuals there. You have the potential for more momentum behind that moment. But as it stands, it's a little bit uh, wobbly in the sense that there's not enough content. And in terms of like directing the reader's eye through those visuals, I did feel a little bit confused when we suddenly see the Batgirl and the hooded figure. You know, it just didn't feel like it was clearly signaled in enough what the transition between these images was um you know suddenly the pool is full of blood i didn't know anyone was bleeding you know it just kind of was a sudden shift 
Yeah, that was going to be one of my more micro notes. It's just the way the prose is written. You, you have the opportunity to break up, especially the major visuals, so that the reader is able to process what is going on on the page. I mean, the whole sentence, a redhead in cargo shorts balances with her bat-like feet atop the head of a hooded figure submerged in the blood-stained pool. That's a lot to digest in a right. single sentence. It's like six concepts right. at once. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So you have the ability, and again, just because less is more doesn't mean you have to keep it under a page you have the ability hopefully assuming this is a one hour especially you have the ability to expand a little bit more so we understand visually what's going on but also narratively now the other thing i wanted to note is just the ending uh, as it stands the ending is on a pre-lap which is very strange. I don't think I've ever seen a teaser end on a pre-lap because presumably the teaser then leads to either an act break or the opening credits. Uh, so unless the pre-lap is of an opening credit, which in this case it is not, uh, I was a little bit confused. Now, with that said, since it is an alarm going off as a pre-lap, my assumption is that the next scene is someone being woken up by the alarm. And so the opener is just a, a dream sequence. But then that goes back to everything we've been saying about why should we care about this moment? What does that indicate about the show if all of this is a dream? Aside from that, I felt it was quite well written on the page. There was a good use of white space and repetition in the action and the description. It just needed a yeah, better sense and a clearer sense of flow. Yeah, I definitely agree. I don't want to the bash this teaser. I feel like the, evocatively, it is very compelling. I think the images are there. I think the elements are there for something more. Uh, it kind of reminded me of something like Carnival. Carnival is a show that not many people have seen, but everybody should see. I feel like it's a masterclass in terms of directing and projecting and presenting more ethereal concepts like dreams and uh, images with monsters and creatures and then overlapping that with a very grounded sense of oh it's in the 1930s dust bowl era and so sort of juxtaposing those elements i feel like if you are interested in those elements you should definitely check out carnival anything else to comment on yeah so i, I did mention as we brought up the sort of breaking the major visual process uh, micro comment but my other micro comment is again the use of full stops and using the pros to direct the reader's eye. So uh, at the top of the page, you have listing, chanting, unnatural glow, silhouettes. I feel like instead of commas, you can use full stops. Again, it's a very micro comment, but I feel it's an example of how you can be more impactful in every word by doing chanting, full stop, unnatural glow, full stop, silhouettes, full stop to really emphasize these things are happening. Mm. I might disagree with you there just in the sense of, to me, commas and full stops give a very different sense of the flow on the page. And it was already Already repeated three times. So I feel like if every one of those ended with a full stop, it might be a little bit too much, but I see with what you're saying there. Yeah. I mean, you can definitely also speed it up where like the first sentence is full stop, then the second sentence and this comma, and then mm -hmm. you speed it up faster and faster. So to me, that's the sense I wanted. I just felt like what they were projecting was just freeze frame on the bleachers or freeze frame on this other thing. And so to me, the full stop means more than a comma, which does mean a continuous sort of through line. All right. So what would make you want to read on here versus not? The main takeaway is just for me personally, I wanted more story and more understanding of what's going on besides an abstract image that is cool. Sure. But doesn't really give me an idea of what the show is or who the characters are or what the story is going to be about. Yeah. I think we just need more than half a page. You don't know anything about the characters, the world, the story. You know, if we had that, we could make that judgment. Um, this isn't a case of less is more. It's perhaps a case of less is less. Exactly. <laughs> And on that note, let's go into our next teaser, which is another one-pager, and uh, it is Leopold, The Lost Elephant by Jordan Sanford. And in Leopold, we meet Leopold, a newborn African elephant who is hanging out with a colony of ants. 
as they share some leafy food together. He kindly provides food for an ant who has none, but is quickly whisked away by his herd, including his bully older brothers who crush the ant's food and tell him to stay with the herd. What did you think of Leopold? Yeah, this was cute. It does a lot for just one page of a teaser. It sets up the character of Leopold, his caring nature, the dynamic between the other elephants and the characters and how he is different from them. And it also establishes conflict early as well as some level of pathos and emotion with this poor little ant. You know, it perhaps did feel a little bit short for a teaser, but for that amount of time, it, it did a lot of work. Yeah, I definitely agree. I feel like it's, like you said, it's very cute and uh, you definitely have a very unique entryway into your show or at least the teaser, it's not something I've seen before, I'm going to be honest. So I really like the fact that this is something I've not seen before. And I wouldn't build up on that momentum with more story. I feel like you did a lot, like Nick said, in terms of showing the character dynamics. I feel like that's uh, the biggest thing that you successfully did in, in, the, in that one page. But on the story level, I kind of wanted more. In the same way that uh, we commented on it with FMAC, I kind of wanted more story perspective from uh, Leopold. Uh, the other thing I liked about this is I thought it did kind of, you know, being an animated thing, made good use of visual imagery, particularly pointing out the scale of the elephant's eye compared to the ants. So, you know, using those tools that you have available to you in animation to good effect and not just saying that something's animated for no real reason. Yeah, that's an interesting point in terms of using the pros to the benefit of the visual. And like you said, the scale, that's not something that many people use or consider, whether in animation or even frankly in live action. So uh, I definitely concur that like, that was an interesting thing. I did have a very micro note again i'm all about those very specific micro notes a little ant-sized micro note <laughs> exactly well to that point uh it is and uh there's a sentence that goes behind leopold uh, uh heard there's a uh, two a's the a is doubled up so that's something that on the eye you're quick to not catch it but someone will someone on this very podcast a very particular so, frenchman yeah uh, is that that's not a problem it helps people let me tell you mm -hmm. so yeah that was my my sort of very tiny and sized micro notes just uh watching out for those doubled up letters but what makes us want to read on versus not I think here I just wanted more of a sense of where the action was heading and what the story might be. Uh, again, this kind of felt more like a moment or a scene from a teaser rather than the whole thing. It could have used maybe another page of action to just help kind of ground us in that world a little bit more and push us into the story. Right. I feel like if you are doing a one-page teaser, that's a really high bar to clear because the reader that sees a one-page teaser thinks, okay, it's one page, it's going to be easy to read, but conversely, they still expect the weight of a full, quote-unquote, fuller teaser in that one page. And realistically, that's going to be really, really, really difficult to pull off in one page, especially in this case where you have so much world building, character building, and even story building that is missing, at least personally, the story building is missing in that one page. So feel free to expand to two pages and build up on not just the dynamics of the characters, but just understanding what is Liu Ball's struggle outside of, oh, he's going to have to deal with his or their bully older brothers. Yeah, certainly don't pad a teaser for no reason because it feels too short. If you've achieved the goals that you think you need to achieve, then great. But uh, you know, if there are things that are missing from it that we could be glimpsing from this teaser, then try to work those in as well and take that extra time. Excellent. And uh, if you want your teaser to be given feedback on on this very podcast on our next Paper Tea session, you can always send those at paperteam.co slash teaser. It's free. So why not do it? 
Absolutely. And speaking of that, before we go, don't forget that we are now on Patreon. So if you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting Paper Team via our Patreon page at paperteam.co slash Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You'll get access to our Paper Patron podcast, our cheat sheets, our exclusive episode, and this dedicated Paper Tea slot just for our Patreon supporters. So get on it at paperteam.co slash Patreon, and we'll keep producing a great show for you every week and not starve. (laughs) So thanks to our listeners for taking the time to tune in. And you can get all the show notes for this episode including all the teasers of this episode at paperteam.co slash 151. As always, I'm on Twitter at TV Calling. I'm at underscore NJ Watson. If you have any thoughts, feedback, ideas for future episodes, you can send them to ask at paperteam.co. And what are we doing next week? Next week, we are talking to Sue Chung, who has written for Gotham, Agent Carter, The Brave, The Red Line. And we'll be chatting with her about writing across different broadcast dramas, procedurals, all that good stuff. And she'll be a really interesting guest. Yeah, if you're an Agent Carter fan, tune in. I know I will. And we'll see you then. See you then.